What's going on, everybody? Welcome in. All-Canadian Thursday episode. Connor O'Neill here. Uh, Wade not alongside me right now because I'm... Um, I'm bad with tech. I lost the Zoom file, so uh, we did something a little pre-recorded for this, but I lost it. My bad, Wade. Uh, but we do have the Thursday episode coming out for you. A little bit of a cop-out, if you will, but it is an OUA part one episode of all of those, the Zoom interviews that we've done with the coaches and players for the OUA previews that we've done uh, on behalf of the OUA leading up to the season, which starts this Saturday, where Wade and I will be Carlton McMaster, nation's capital. But in the lead up to that, we just thought we'd drop the audio for that for all of you to listen to if you didn't get a chance to check out the interviews. I will time code those in the description below. So don't worry if there's stuff that you don't really feel like listening to. That's totally okay. You can go find the coach and or player you're looking for. I'll make it easy for everybody. But once again, a huge thank you to all of the players and coaches uh, over the last few days that have taken the time to do those interviews with us. I know we keep harping on that, but truly means a lot to us that you guys took the time out during training camp. But as I said, the OUA season starts Saturday. Carlton, McMaster, Wade and I will be there once again. Uh, but that's it. That's my spiel. I will let you guys enjoy the content from the OUA. Uh, let's get ready for kickoff. Hope you guys enjoy. He's just going to throw it up. It's again, corner, end zone, caught, touchdown, easy money. Keaton Brugling. What if I hit leave the meeting? <laughs> <laughs> then, we, then we have to ask the OUA to help us get back in touch. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, welcome in to an OUA preview with the Carlton Ravens. New kid on, new man on the block, we'll say. Not kid on the block. Uh, coach Corey Grant, the newest head coach of the Carlton Ravens, sitting down with us. Coach Grant, first couple of days of training camp. How's the new environment up at Carlton? It's great. Um, having a good time. You know, training camp, all the other stuff that goes on. But when training camp starts um, fresh, everybody fresh, pumped up and excited to go. And for myself and the staff, we're pretty, we've been very excited and very fortunate to have some good young men that are really coming out and working hard for us. Now, you guys have formed your new coaching staff. You've gotten into Ottawa and you've got this group of guys that made the playoffs last year has been a competitive force in the OUA for the last couple of years. How do you bring this new group of guys together to fit what you guys are trying to do as a team? You know what? A great question. It's one of those things where it's just doing things every day and making sure the message is the same of who we want to be and the identity. And one of the things I've learned along the way of coaching, right? We can a lot, as coaches, we want to sort of lay that foundation, but the players are going to make the team what we're going to be, right? The work that they put in, the things that they do, and, you know, whether the studying, watching the extra film and doing those things and that effort on the field, as a collective group, if we're all getting on the same page and on towards that same goal, um, they're really going to decide how far and how, what we're going to really be in the end. And we've just been working on that every single day and they come in and put in the work and uh, they're asking the best from us as coaches, asking a lot of questions because and um, we're trying to give us give them our best and we just make it go day after day and try and stock up wins each day, one day at a time. And in a situation like this where you are the new head coach and you do have that that leadership role, but you do have some some player leadership as well. There's some veterans on the team. How much do you as a coach lead on lean on the veteran leadership of, of some of the guys that have been around the Carlton program now for, for a couple of years? 
uh, I lean on them a lot. Um, sometimes to find out where to go to the washroom, but uh, other times it is just to, I've always said to these guys, and when I came in, I want to know what it means to be a Raven. Right now I'm an outsider and I'm coming in and I want to build on that, but show me what it means by your actions. Sometimes it's by the words, but a lot of by your actions. What does it mean to be a Raven? What does it mean to the legacy that was brought back? What does it mean? And those guys have a lot of ideas and different things and what they like, what they don't like and where we want to see things going. So we've had a lot of those discussions and then just watching how they practice and how they move on the field and how they interact, not only with the coaches, but with the young players. I'm starting to get that idea of what it means to be a Raven. And I'm pretty excited for that and moving forward. That's a great way to lead into that. I know Carlton for years has used the I am a Raven chant before games. I mean, you, you're, you are now the newest Raven. So uh, when you look at the offense as a whole, you were the offensive coordinator with McMaster. Moving over to Carlton, a guy like Keaton Brugling was one of the top threats in the receiving core last year. He is now playing in the CFL with the Red Blacks. How do you take a young group of guys and kind of grow them into filling that void that Keaton is leaving behind? Um, I don't think it's a void because, one, everything's new for everybody here, for myself included. So what we're going to do and what we, they did before, maybe it's the same, maybe it's what I do. We're not really sure, and we're just coming together and building it, and it's really good with everybody's learning at the same pace of what we have to do and where we have to go. So somebody else, guess what, in football always seems to step up, right? And with a new coaching staff coming in, new guys, new opportunities, and like I tell all the guys, shoot, we're all trying out. I have no preconceived conceptions of what you could do or couldn't do. Maybe what you were asked to do before didn't fit to your skill set, and now that gives uh, some of the younger guys and some other guys that are coming in an opportunity and they can see that true opportunity um, that they got a chance, right? And that's all we ask for. And if you give guys enough chances, you give them chances, you never know what's going to come out on the other side. With the uh, other side of the ball, the defensive side, you guys have a new defensive coordinator coming in. How have you seen the defense progress through the first couple of days of training camp? I know the, Years old analogy is always defense starts fast and offense in training camp. Yep. Has that been the case for the Ravens and, and what kind of shape is your defense looking like right now? Yeah, defense is looking good. Um, as everything else, everybody's learning, right? Everybody's putting things in. Uh, we're all, and I've talked to the coaches about it, to making sure that as we put things in, we want to make sure we're talking about fundamentals. We're making sure that we're really building the players up and not less scheme, but more fundamental teaching. So then when it does become that crunch time, as they say, game time, they're always players are always going to go back to those fundamentals and what they've been taught. And if we're really doing a good job of setting that foundations of fundamental football, uh, we're going to give ourselves a chance and the defense is progressing in that way. And you know what? It's all good and dandy now, but we'll find out week one uh, where we're exactly at. I want to circle back to uh, being a Raven uh, a little bit for a second here. So one of, one of the things about being a Raven, I guess, might be a little bit newer to you because you haven't had a chance to experience this rivalry yet, but is the Panda game. That is kind of one of the big, big games on the year. And like, yes, it is just another game on the schedule. But at the same token, like it, the entire city of Ottawa gets behind it. It's, it's a fun experience. Um, and I mean, looking back on it for players, I know it can be a fun experience to you. Just maybe not what does it mean to you, but what are you looking forward to about getting to experience that Panda game as, as a new Raven? 
Um, when that week comes, then I think that'll be a better question to ask me then. Right now, and I'm going to give you coach speak, we're just focused on getting better tomorrow, right? We're focused on getting better in this meeting uh, in a few hours. That's what we're focused on now because we need to win each day, right? We got to win each meeting. We got to win each of these moments and be present in this moment. So to worry about a game that isn't, is a while away is really taking our focus on the task at hand, right? So I talked to the players about that. And if we're going to win each meeting and do that right now, that's what we're focused on. And we're focused on getting to that next meeting. So when it comes that week, then you guys can ask, definitely jump on and ask me about it. You might have to ask me the day after because <laughs> then I'll get a real sense for it. But um, I was going to say, maybe we'll wait until, uh, maybe we'll say that one for after the game then. 100%. You can ask me that or even leading up to the game because I hear of those things. But yeah, we're just trying to win today. All right. Well, thank you very much, Coach Grant, for giving us your time today and for taking the time out of your busy training camp schedule. Uh, we look forward to seeing you week one against your former team, the McMaster Marauders. We we saved the the coach speak on that one with the, oh, it's it's water under the bridge. I'm just, it'll be nice to see them after the game kind of stuff. So uh, we look <laughs> we'll, forward we'll to We'll hype that one up ourselves a little bit. You guys going to hype it up? <laughs> All right. So I'm putting you on the spot right now because I don't know if you've talked to Coach P yet. No, we I talked, I talked to Andreas last night. That was it. That was oh, it. you just talked to Dre. So are you making your picks? Let me see. Because are we doing picks and pools and doing all that stuff? Well, the picks oh, are going to come out the week yet. of the game. You have to wait. For oh, the, oh, now I got to wait till the week of the game. <laughs> well, we got we to wait for insight on Panda here. So You have to oh, give okay. <laughs> as a journalist, okay? Like, we can't just give everything right at once. I got you. Okay, so we got to wait for the week of the game. We got to see the depth chart and all those things. All right, I got it. We're good. There will, there will be a pick coming, though. I can guarantee it. There will uh, be picks. But, okay. But thank you very much, Coach Grant, for uh, – Donating your, donating your time to us as always. Uh, we appreciate it. Good luck in your inaugural season as head coach of the Ravens. We look forward to seeing what you guys do on the field. All right. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate the work that you do. Love talking to you guys and anytime. Thank you. Thanks, coach. No problem. Three in the motion. A dinner end to block. Gerard throws it through the coverage to the end zone. Touchdown, Windsor! Cowan Bethune wins it for Windsor! Welcome into a, another OUA football preview for the 2022 season. We are now taking a far trip to the furthest end of the 401 with the Windsor Lanchers. Coach Cerselli is joining us today. Thank you for taking some time out of your busy training camp schedule. How have the first couple days been? Well, first of all, it's my pleasure, and, and thank you for having me on. Um, it's It's been great to be back, uh, just based on how things went the last two years, uh, having no season and then having uh, some pretty ridiculous restrictions and, and changes of the structure. Uh, it, it's good to be back, and I know there's a lot of optimism and, and enthusiasm for, for all teams across the league. Now, one of the things that Con and I always say about Windsor, uh, after both playing in the OUA, is, the road trip out to Alumni Stadium. We call it the road trap because nobody is prepared for how long the travel is. Nobody's prepared for just heading out to your end of the province. How do you guys now get to take advantage of that with the full conference schedule back in play? Well, I think the big thing is is knowing that, you know, both ourselves and I, I would say um, to the same extent when, when you have to go up to Ottawa and play those two teams, um, 
a lot of times it's seen as a disadvantage and, and we got to look at it as an advantage for where we are geographically. And I know that it, it does take a toll on the body to, to take that kind of road trip because we face it anytime we're not at home. And I think the biggest thing is just really relishing the fact that it is a home advantage and we want to make sure that we get on teams very early and don't let them kind of get their footing uh, ahead of them as we get into the third, fourth quarter. So having that sense of urgency early on is, is probably a big message for our program. And that was going to kind of be my next question here. You talked about it a little bit, but the flip side of that coin is you do have to make some of those long trips to yourself. And being an Ottawa guy myself, I know that on the other end of that one, it's a little bit long. So how do you guys prepare prepare for those long road trips? And I know you kind of have to make some of them uh, a little bit longer than the average team might. Yeah, I mean, that was a big thing when, when we first got to the University of Windsor is, is knowing that this, this program hasn't won on the road in, in at least eight years. So it, it's looking at how can we do things maybe a little bit differently. Um, how can we factor in overnight trips that maybe some teams wouldn't normally look at overnight trips? Um, can we break it up or taking breaks on, you know, an eight hour bus ride and, and making sure our guys get their legs back? Um, kind of having meal prep along the way, uh, making sure we're stopping at spots that aren't necessarily fast food, but, but are catered, ready to go. Um, just planning things maybe a little bit differently than you would with your, your normal, um, you know, one to two hour road trip that a majority of the teams have on a regular basis. That's probably the biggest preparation aspect that has to change. Now, sticking with the geographical piece, Windsor is uniquely positioned in Ontario as they're also really close to the U.S. border, closest in the OUA to that. Uh, how does that kind of change your recruiting tactics with the University of Windsor? Do you guys look more into the States than, say, a different team like uh, Western or Ottawa would? Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, if, if you use the example of Ottawa, um, there's always been a strong tradition of Ottawa schools going into Quebec and, and getting a lot of SAGEP players. And I think on the flip side for us, we were looking at the fact that if, if we want to go to the football hotbeds and, and move up through the GTA, uh, knowing that student athletes have to travel through six, seven schools before they get to us is probably unrealistic. So we've definitely uh, kind of pivoted and, and looked into Michigan and other parts of the U.S. To, to help with our recruiting. And we've had some success there and we're hoping that it continues in 2022. And the, uh, the Windsor area itself has a, a pretty strong tradition of, of great local high school football. Uh, how, how important is it to you guys to kind of get some of those hometown kids and pitch with Windsor as a, as a hometown school? It's very important. I think any program, you, you want to definitely own your own backyard. But when you're taking over a program that hasn't had a lot of success, um, I think a lot of times the norm is for people wanting to go into, to a winner. So for all the changes that we make, ultimately, the biggest thing that's going to come to people's minds are, is the program a winning program? And that's ultimately what we're going to have to do to maybe keep all local recruits around rather than have other teams come in and, and say, hey, the grass might be a little greener here. Now, looking at this year, you guys uh, are without David Adenaran and Sam Girard, two focal points of your offense last year is quarterback, running back. How do you guys look to replace such key figures on that side of the ball this year? Yeah, it's it's difficult because at the end of the day, we don't have a, a sixth-year quarterback like we did in Sam Gerrard. So, um, you know, there'll probably be a competition between the the six, seven quarterbacks we have on the roster, and and we'll obviously go with who, who we feel gives us the best chance to win. And I think the same thing with running back. I mean, 
David put in a lot of time uh, at the CJFL level and then having success at the OUA. Um, he wasn't the biggest guy and he found a way to get it done. And then that's what we have to do with some of our other young running backs is hope that they developed over a, a true full off season, unlike what they've had in the past. And, and it'll be time for someone else to step up. You talk about that, that full off season. I know we touched on it a little bit off the top, but I mean, as a group, as a unit, not just offensive defense, just as a team, how important is it to have that regular training camp, that regular kind of schedule leading up to the season for you guys? It, it's imperative to any success and it, it doesn't matter which sport. I mean, I'd like to say a full off season, but obviously everyone was a little hindered when all of a sudden there was announcements in, in December and, and we had most of January and, and some parts of February wiped out. Um, it, it changes a lot. And it's not just even the physical preparation, it's the mental preparation, that ability to bring guys together and make sure that they're feeding off one another. They're not in this you know, kind of secluded lifestyle um, that affected so many people during the pandemic. So having that togetherness that we're going to be working hand in hand and, and really leading to stronger mental health is, is a big part of that. And then having that full complement of a training camp, um, you know that, hey, within two weeks, we're going to be playing our first game. And there's a lot more certainty there to oppose to a year ago where it was kind of popcorn with different programs starting at different times, doing whatever they could based on what their regional uh, um, restrictions were going into, into the season. So just having that certainty of what it's going to look like is a big part of it because uh, no matter what age, what generation, um, football players crave that discipline and structure. And I think for the most part, um, the past two years as coaches, we couldn't give it to them because week to week things were changing. So to have that certainty, that stability back is so important for, for success. When you mention stability, I always think of uh, if you want to grow as a team, you need to have a strong base, strong structure underneath you in order to do that. Now that you've been able to kind of establish that structure with the consistency in your offseason, what areas is your team looking to have the most growth in this year? Well, this is really our, our third season, and and from the get-go, I mean, my own base where I've come from, it's it's always been about running the football and stopping the run, and I think um, no matter what brand of football you play, that's always going to hold true, and uh, definitely in, in my first uh, couple years here, it, it was difficult stopping the run. Um, we improved a year ago, but we think that's going to be a big strength this year. And uh, we improved a little bit running the football last year, but that's also got to be a big part of our identity. So um, as exciting as it is to put the ball in the air, um, we really want to establish having a great ground game with a, a veteran offensive line and then having to have a pretty deep defensive line, be able to hold, hold the fort and make sure that the linebackers, DBs can make those plays. Defensive line. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Zach Benson. He's an absolute force on the interior of the defense. What does he bring to you guys, not only on the field, because everyone can watch the film and see the impact he has, but in the locker room at practice, what does he bring to the Windsor Lancers? Yeah, Zach's, Zach, Zach's a worker, and he's, he doesn't say a whole lot. He's pretty quiet, but it's just that, again, consistently, day in, day out, you know you're going to see him in the weight room. You know he's going to be putting in time uh, in the film room. You know you're always going to see someone putting in his best effort when it comes to practice and he takes no days off. And that is really a strong mentorship for especially our young players. Cause they can just look at that consistency and say, that's the standard. That's what we want to be able to emulate. 
And uh, he's been a fantastic leader for our defensive line, our, our young defensive line. And, and we think that they're, they're better for it moving forward. Great. Well, thank you very much, Coach, for giving us your time. We look forward to watching you as we get going in the OUA season. Best of luck to you guys and the Lancers program in this back to, I guess, return to normalcy uh, we get in 2022. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Side. Oh, Jay drops his picked off. Bannantine. Mac Bannantine. Trotting into the end zone. Touchdown, York Lions. Welcome into the OUA football previews for the 2022 season. We are now joined by Coach Warren Craney of the York Lions. Uh, they've gotten into training camp already, so we're going to keep him uh, for a little bit here before he gets to their second practice of the day. I'm sure the players are loving the two-a-day practices. I know Connor and I always talk about uh, which format is best. So I know you mentioned you're doing a second one here. Uh, yes. Have you have you always done two separate practices, like practice meeting, practice meeting? Or nope. have you tried this is, the four-hour? This is, this is the first time uh, I've done two-a-days. I can't even remember. I think it was back when I was at DC in Concordia. 15 years ago, I think is the last time we did two a days. We've always done the traditional four hour power practice. Um, the one thing we found was uh, a, we wanted to try something new, right? Like it's just this doing the same thing over and over again. A um, little bit in, insane. We wanted to try something new and uh, it was actually our strength coach that pointed out that the four hour power practice um was better for the coaches than it was for the players. It gives us more meeting time, more film time. You know, it makes our, our days more efficient. Um, but our, our strength coach pointed out, you know what, it's not necessarily better for the kids' bodies being on the field for four straight hours and asking them to do everything they're doing. Um, so we said, we're, you know, we're going to give it a try. Our kids in the beginning were a little sheepish about it. Um, but, you know, a day and a half in, it, it's been working out pretty well for us. It's great. And uh, new recruiting class comes in every year. Yep. Uh, obviously, we had last year was a weird year where you got kind of a double recruiting yep. class. How yep. does that group build on last season? And how do you guys as a whole build on your season last year? Yeah, you know what? Last year, last year was, a, you know, obviously not a year we were, we were, we were excited about nor happy about. Um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to blame COVID because we all went through COVID. I think we all had our unique struggles through COVID, you know, our, our school and not that other schools weren't, our school was really diligent with, with COVID protocols. Um, and the biggest thing we found is we really, really didn't get to gel. Um, so, you know, one thing we found, we found out in February, our first team meeting. So in Toronto, we had that lockdown. We had the whole month of January lockdown We had the first team meeting in February and we had kids that didn't know each other. You know, because we had never, this was the first time we actually all sat in a classroom together because the previous in season, yeah, we practiced together, but the second practice was over. Our school made us separate. You know, we didn't change in the same locker room. Like we were in all spread out in different locker rooms. All our meetings were on Zoom. So that's something you take for granted that we're relishing right now in a, in a traditional style training camp is how we really didn't know each other in gel. Um, so that's, you know, dealing with two recruiting classes last year and then dealing with this new recruiting class coming into what's a perceived normal no masks no vaccine mandates 
we're allowed to sit in a meeting room with a hundred players and coaches. And, you know, we're allowed to all be in the same changing room. This is really our opportunity to have all three classes, you know, come together and, and, and be a part of something special. It, it's really unique and bizarre. Um, but at the same time, I think it's re-educated myself and my staff in what, what building a team culture and building that family environment. We always use this. Everyone throws out the term family, but really building that, that family environment, you know, getting your hands dirty and doing it and just, you know, it was taken for granted last year. And now we're really, really emphasizing that in team meetings, everything we do on the field is getting, making sure everyone gets to know uh, the new kids, even the, even the freshmen from last year and just really getting them to be a part of the family from, from day one. I, I never really thought about that until you mentioned the fact that you have three recruiting classes, essentially that you're yeah. introducing. And I mean, that, that alone makes up probably 75, 80% of your roster. You're essentially, yeah. Yeah. you're essentially starting a, a roster from scratch, like an expansion team. It is. You guys yeah. have all the foundation and a little bit of playing yeah. experience built together already. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Wild. One uh, one other aspect, I mean, that's back this year is no east-west divide. I know York and Toronto were kind of in that yep. middle position where you yep. had a, had a weird crossover game yep. uh, here and there. But how do you guys now go back into this regular scheduling? Like, what challenges does that present to you as the York Lions? Um, challenges. I, I um challenges. That's that's a really great question. I I don't I don't. I don't see it as a challenge, um, nor do I kids. And, and the only reason I'm saying that is our kids see the schedule and see the no, the no two conferences and it automatically goes, everything's back to normal. Right. So that's, that's the positive of it. That's, that's the real positive of it. Um, you know, it's, 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 Going back to eight games, um, you know, it, having that sense of normalcy, um, that's, I think, the important point for us. Now, did I like the two conferences? I did. Um, you know, I think the kids we recruit emulate what's going on down south in the NCAA. Every single one of kid we recruit wants to play for Alabama. Heck, I want to coach at Alabama, right? Like, that's what we all want to do. And, you know, it's seeing how, you know, when I recruit at West, we had, the OUA is the best conference in this country. We're the only conference with 11 teams. And that's my big recruiting pitch. Two recruiting pitches I have at York is you got to move to this amazing city in Toronto. And secondly, you know, you got to come play in the SEC because that's to me what the OUA is. The OUA is the SEC, you know, regardless of what the standings are year to year, you know, from Western all the way down to York in 2019, it's still, if you look at the scores, it's one of the most competitive leagues in, in, in the country. And it's absolutely amazing. And we try to convince these kids, you know, come play in the best conference, come play in the best conference in Canada. And that being said, there kind of isn't a lord of two divisions, you know, having that we're 11 teams, you know, so I, I do like both, both concepts. I like the 18. I like where we are now just because it reminds me of normal and what we did in the past, but I'd always be open to going to a permanent two division Hope I'm not getting myself in trouble with my other coach. <laughs> I really wouldn't mind going to two divisions only because emulating what's going on across the border and how well they do it. I also think it's another pitch for us to get another well-deserved bowl bid. You know, I think having 11 teams, it's really tough having one bid um, to the national semifinal. And I think 
um, you know, having two conferences, that might be a great argument to get us another bid. Certainly is a, a fun hypothetical to think about. We were talking about the idea of like power conferences and stuff uh, a little bit last week, uh, but diving a little bit deeper into the coaching staff here at York, uh, I use the term introduced loosely, but you guys introduced a new offensive coordinator, not so new, but Nathaniel Griffith took over the, the offensive coordinator uh, role with your program. Just talk about the, the transition and the relationship there, the transition for him from special teams to OC and just kind of the, the relationship uh, with Nathaniel. Yeah, hundred percent. You know what? It's, it's, he's, he's new. He's our new offensive coordinator, but he's kind of the old new, right? He's been with the program a while. Um, very fortunate that he actually played for me as well. So that helps in terms of the relationship. Um, I think it makes life a little bit easier you know, when you have that familiarity um, with, you know, with your head coach being, you know, getting that role of becoming a coordinator position, already having an existing role with the head football coach kind of helps. Um, the transition's been easy. I think one of the biggest things um, for, for Coach Griffin and myself is, you know, he's known me so long, he knows what I like, right? So he's, he knows, you know, he was very strategic in making his playbook because he had institutional knowledge of he knows what I like. Right. <laughs> so he was able to, you know, come in and wow me because, you know, it's, I don't want to say he's a yes man because he's not. Um, but you know what, as a head coach, you're responsible for the cohesiveness is offense, defense and special teams. And they really got it. They really got a match together. And in previous campaigns, you know, we've kind of worked in silos that that's one of been one of our biggest problems. And again, it, it ends up being my fault as being the leader of this program. You know, we worked in three individual silos of having an offensive team, a defensive team and a special teams. And there was very little cohesiveness to it. And, you know, when I was in a position to bring coach on board to be our new offensive coordinator, I said, you know, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. I have a vision of what this team needs to win. We're playing tremendous defense over the last two years. We need an offense to match what we're doing on defense. And we need a special teams unit to match what we're doing on defense. Not, I'm not saying we're becoming a defensive team, but we've developed a style in how we play it deep. We were being actually really successful and everything else has got to match. And coach Griffin was very, very good at understanding that and came in and presented a plan that fit well within what I wanted in order in our pursuit to win um, and fit in with what our defense is doing and what our special teams are currently doing. I was going to ask about how you build off of having one of the best rushing defenses in the conference. So I'm glad you answered that question on your own. A good segue for us. Appreciate that. Thank you. But you talk about building up your offense. I mean, yep. uh, you have players like Jackson Hume who were yep. great last year's receiver yep. and Yep. Darnell Jarrett was great with the ball in his hands. How do you kind of see their roles expanding as you move into this new year when they have another year of experience behind themselves? Yeah, you know what? That's, we, you know, I think the, I think the, the stigma that's always followed York, and it's absolutely true, um, you know, from a skill perspective, like we can run with anybody. Like we have, like the skill we have on this team is absolutely, absolutely tremendous. We've struggled um, at the line of scrimmage on offense. So that's been our focus in the off season. That's been our focus with our new, new offensive coordinator is we have all this skill. How can we get the ball in their hands? Cause that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to win. 
right? We're going to win when Avante, McCoy, Darnold, and all these names, Redson, all these, you know, these skilled players we have, that's when we're going to win when we have the football in their hands, you know? So it was developing a plan, getting our O-line better, getting our O-line better coached, bringing in recruiting, recruiting more to bring, to bring in some more help. Um, so that's, that's actually the focus. It's, it's that plan in how do we, it's like any business, right? How do we, how do we maximize the assets we have? We know we have some tremendous assets and, you know, focusing on them, how are they going to have expanded roles in the season? The question is simple. We got to get the ball in their hands. We got to get the ball in their hands early. And just a quick follow-up. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned, you know, building the offensive line and the strength of the offensive line. And one of the, the challenges, I guess, uh, as safety has become more of a concern, which is not a bad thing at all, but yep. padded practices and emulating those game style reps becomes more limited. So how do you work on the aggressiveness in the trenches while still like keeping safety of players front of mind? Like I know, uh, like through watching Hard Knocks, I, I guess Dan Campbell was talking about uh, Dan Campbell was talking about, uh, you know, getting the, the importance of those live reps, but still needing to be safe. So I guess for you as the York Lions, how do you get those important reps in the trenches while kind of managing the, the health and safety aspect of things? Great question. Great question. I apologize. I have my dog with me in my office. That's today. okay. We both we both got dogs. It happens all the time on the on our show. <laughs> our our uh, our running joke, our running cop out is we must be talking about dogs because the dogs are barking in the background. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, to answer your question, yeah, that's that's one of the most difficult things. I'm I've been I argue with my players all the time because um, our biggest problem is our players, especially our, our O line. Uh, and our D-line, they want to be in pads all the time, right? They want to be in pads all the time. And, you know, it's, it's, that's where the injury, to me, that's where the injuries happen, right? It's when you, when you're, you're in those full pads and you're in those situations and constant reps, right? Because we have to rep what we're doing, right? And it's just that, that extra contact. And I know we need to do it, right? But to me, it's, it's really easy you know, I, I read a study. I can't remember what school it was. It was one of the it was one of the um, um, the Ivy League schools. Their coach actually took their helmets away and made them practice without helmets, right? Because it was just, you know, they were just that force, that all that constant contact. And the second he took their helmets away, they weren't banging heads anymore, right? And that's where I've been trying to focus with our players is. You know, we go to all these O-line clinics, we go to all these clinics all over the CFL and we're in the NCAA watching clinics and they're talking techniques, proper hand position, proper chest position. Then we put the pads on and everything goes out the window. We're just banging, not that we're, you know, the incidental contact face mask going together yeah. and how can we avoid that? So one of the big ways we've started to address it is we've added a lot more uh, practices without pads, but not changing the sequences of practice. So we're still running 12 on 12 team without pets. Now they have to be cognizant of their health. So now we're asking our, our O-line and our D-line to utilize proper hand placement and bring your feet. And it's not about the contact, right? It's about the proper hand placement and the proper footwork because that's the repetition. If we can get that down, then when we put the pads down, you know, hopefully muscle memory 
incidental contact inside the line of scrimmage, like it's impossible to get rid of. I wish we could figure out one day if we could, it's just impossible to get rid of that incidental contact. But if we can keep harping on our guys to use proper techniques and use proper fundamentals, especially at the line of scrimmage, you know, we all want our, you know, our D line playing hands off and, and at arm's length. Well, you know what? We don't need pads to be able to do that. We can still do that. And if we can just continue to harp and teach them to practice properly, I think they're only going to be better for it because now they have the pads on, they can still be aggressive, but they're actually getting, we're getting them to do what we want them to do. And it's, it's a heck of a lot safer. Absolutely. And like, I mean, you see even the NFL teams now have introduced the, uh, the scrum cap almost where it clips on the top of your helmets uh, to kind of negate uh, negate that head contact. Um, When you guys look at your team now, you have, some veteran leadership coming back, especially with your East-West bowlers, Matt Dean, yep. Retson Daly. Yep. Uh, what, are, what do you see them bringing back to the program from that whole East-West experience? Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously the biggest thing is sharing their experience. You know, that experience is pretty, especially for the younger guys coming into the programs, coming back to the team and sharing that experience. You know, especially seeing, you know, you're seeing all these amazing players from across the country playing and, you know, you realize, you know what, I can, I can play with anybody here, you know, and then bringing that knowledge back to the team. Um, and then it's just the fact that, you know, taking a part of an experience like that, it kind of gives you confidence and then taking that confidence, confidence back to your team. You know, when I was, well, I, I still say it, you know, I remember when I was back, when I was a DC in my former life, you know, we had a bunch of kids, you know, get drafted go to CFL camps and then come back. They got released and they'd come back and they'd play that fifth year. It was like, they're a different person, right? Like, it's just like mm-hmm. that, that experience of the pro training camp, you know, you come back and you're like, I could play with these guys. I'm as I'm better than these guys. And then they come back to me. The East West is the same thing. They go there, they see the competition. And it's that sense that, you know what, I can do this. Um, and, you know, coming back and then sharing that memory with the team. And that's what I find the pro guys do too, right? They come back from the pro camp and they share the experience and like, you know, you're as good as the tackle with, you know, at, at, at this school, you're as good as the tackle at this pro team. Um, it's just sharing that knowledge. You know, it's a travesty keeping it to yourself. And, you know, we've been very fortunate that Redson and Matt have come back and just shared that incredible experience at McMaster with, with their whole team. And that was kind of a perfect lead into my next question. Uh, taking a step beyond that, you know, the Lions program has players like Colton Hunchak, Luther Akunwanu in the yep. CFL, Nikola Kalenich in getting yep. NFL looks now. Like, yep. what does what does that do for the York Lions as a program? Like, how do they – or how does ha- having those types of guys show yeah. up, work ethic, okay. leadership, things like that? 100%. 100%. 100. And you know what? We've been very fortunate. They're, uh, they're, they're still huge parts of our, our family. You know, they're still a big part in our family. Um, it helps with recruiting. You know, we've had, uh, you know, our record isn't where it should be um, or where we want it to be. Um, but you know what? We're, we're showing recruits out there that we can develop players. We recruit good players and we have the ability to develop them. Uh, you know, our numbers over the last five years in the CFL draft are absolutely, absolutely incredible. And uh, we, you know, we use that we're using that to try and get kids in here to, to help us win. That's, that's what we're trying to do. And, and all those kids, Luther Colton, you know, we have Chris Kolonkowski the starting center with the yeah. Winnipeg bombers, you know, Jamal Campbell's with Saskatchewan. We're, we've been very, very fortunate. 
And um, all those guys always give back to the program. We're in constant contact with them. Obviously having, you know, Nikki, you know, play last night with the Colts. Uh, we're, we're hoping, we're hoping he makes that roster. It helps as well. Um, but it's just selling that. And it's, listen to me, it's, you know, I'm using it from, from, uh, from, uh, from a York perspective, but I also use it in an OUA perspective. We recruit nationally and, uh, I always sell our conference as the best conference in the country and come play in the best conference in the country. And you know what, we're selling what our opponents are doing. The kids, you know, Western's putting in, you know, Western's putting in the CFL and the NFL and what Mac's doing and what all our opponents are doing. So, you know, from, a we all want to win, uh, but I really look at it from a conference perspective too. Um, and I'm really proud of what all, you know, I'm really proud of what we've been able to accomplish. We're getting our kids uh, to the next level in the pros, but obviously, you know, as, as proud of the OUA and, and what we've been able to do in getting kids uh, to the CFL and we sell the hell out of it. Well, thank you so much for your time, coach Craney. Uh, good luck with the rest of your training camp. Good luck with your season. Uh, I think we're going to bump into you guys when you play the Red Blue Bowl this year. So we'll definitely awesome. look forward to uh, catching up with you then. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Was looking for putt last time. Duak rolls out to the right, chasing, throwing, caught for a touchdown. Liam Putt ran a beautiful route, and Andre Duak rolled out and found him. It's a touchdown for McMaster. Welcome into another OUA preview for the 2022 football season. We are joined by Yates Cup champion from a couple seasons ago, Andreas Duak from the McMaster Marauders. Andreas, couple days in the camp. How is the arm feeling so far as you kind of get back to some normalcy in your program? Uh, it's feeling good. Uh, a little sore, obviously, pretty high reps, but uh, it's feeling good. It's good to be back uh, with everyone. And obviously, it was snowing a lot of the summer and stuff leading up. So not uh, not too different. But um, yeah, no, it feels good to be back. It's uh, obviously first day camp uh, back in season. Always uh, first couple of days are always super high energy. and. Uh, Everyone's ready to go, so it's a it's always a very fun environment. And you uh, you mentioned kind of getting to see everyone again. Last year was a really odd year with quarantines and uh, pods and different groups and different divisions in the OUA. What's one kind of thing that you've noticed about this normal off season that's kind of given something back to the McMaster Marauders? Uh, well, I think it's just being able to you know be in the same list as other guys and uh, you know being able to kind of work together through the off season definitely makes a huge difference. I mean, uh, it's, you see guys who've really, really improved over the off season. And I think that is very much due to the fact that we're able to, you know, be, be working out together again. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was very needed <laughs> and, uh, it's a, you know, it's a huge part of, of the football, I mean, the year long football season, right. Is those off season workouts and your, you know, the constant preparation, getting, getting better and improving uh, your game and uh, your, your also your team camaraderie. So it's uh, yeah, it's a huge part. And I mean, your offense, we, we look back to, I guess the pre COVID year in 2019, you guys win the Yates cup. You have Tommy Neal, Tyson Middlemost. Uh, you guys have all these different weapons and, from that point to where we are now, I mean, you and it's a bunch of other guys that have kind of come up through the couple of years. Despite that turnover through your career, how have you been able to build up this new chemistry with players in this offseason in particular? 
Well, just being able to throw with guys too. Uh, I mean, being able to throw three times, three ish times a week um, to having guys come out to that is, uh, is huge. So you kind of build that chemistry there. Um, having captains practices over the summer, that kind of thing. Uh, those are all good stuff. Uh, that's all good stuff. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys we have now were, uh, we're here last season and, you know, we just trying to build on just very, obviously, you know, we had some younger guys, but, uh, uh but I mean, like this off season was huge being able to be together, uh, throw together, work out together was, uh, is, is definitely helping. And, uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be a good year. As you guys gel together, uh, what area of the offense do you feel that you guys have improved on or will show the most improvement as we get into games in just under two weeks now? I think uh, the receiver positions are going to be um, – I think they're going to uh, surprise a lot of people. Uh, I think we're, we're going to be very good there. Uh, we have a very, very good um, young group of receivers that are, are – are going to be very, very solid. So I think, I think we've really improved there. And uh, I mean, yeah, I think we're going to be, I think we're going to be pretty good. What about the other side of the ball? I know you practice against this defense and through the years, I mean, McMaster has always been a very well-balanced team, but the defense has always been something that is feared across the OUA. Who on your defense has stood out to you this year in training camp so far? Uh, well, similar guys to last year. I mean, uh, Chin, uh, D tag. He's been he's been obviously very good. Um, Mitch Price, D tackle as well. We've been very good. Uh, I mean, our whole D line is just is spectacular. I mean, we uh, it's it's been like this since I you know since the beginning. Right? Mac again. has had one of the <laughs> best best defenses. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'll I'm biased, but I think the best defense of the country, and and I think like the like it going up against them every day in practice is 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 so it, it's really special it's it's and it's a very very much uh a, a component to our, our success on offense is being able to compete with one of the best defenses uh okay 2019 yates cup champions go to the national semifinal covid year last year didn't go the way you guys wanted to everyone wants to win the yates cup you have done so. What is it going to take for you and the McMaster Marauders to get back to that pinnacle in the OUA this year? Well, I, I think it just starts with focusing on, you know, um, everyday things, right? It's, it's those little, uh, you know, little victories every day. Um, I think obviously with that, that overall goal in mind, but really trying to win, uh, win the day. I mean, our coach uses, uh, coach P uses a good quote. It's, uh, you know, when what's important now. Right. So it's, it's, it's about what, what can we do right now to get better? What, how can we make those little, get those little, little victories every day? Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's what, if we continue, if we focus on that throughout the season and just build, 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 um, you know, we can, I, I think we have an opportunity to do some special, but, Again, it's it's yeah, we gotta be able to build, 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 and just get better and better and better every day. Now, speaking of getting better each day, the East West Bowl yearly is a showcase for top end players going into their CFL draft year or who have just passed their CFL draft year in some cases to show off that talent to scouts. It was at Mac this year. You were the quarterback for the winning West team. What was the East West experience like considering you were 
at your home stadium in your home locker room doing everything in a facility you already knew like the back of your hand well, it was a, it was a ton of fun. Uh, I definitely got a little lucky, I think, uh, being past my being past my draft year, and you know, obviously being at the you know tail end of my university career. It's uh, I got I definitely got lucky because it was I think because it was at Mac, and you know, uh, so it kind of I was very very happy to be able to do it because you know obviously I was supposed to, you know we were supposed to do it in the COVID year or whatever, and that got canceled and. So it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun being able to compete with, you know, some of the, obviously the best guys in the country and, um, you know, uh, being, having some of those guys in the locker room, obviously maybe felt a little strange sometimes, but uh, it was, uh, no, it was good. It was good though. I think the weirdest thing was like half or throughout the week, we did a kicking competition Mm-hmm. uh to see who who would get the the mac locker room as a home locker room and we actually we lost so <laughs> i wasn't even in in our locker room for the game so that was uh having to change in the away team locker room was a was a little interesting but a yeah, different no, experience, it, i guess for Andre. yeah, yeah <laughs> no it was uh it was fun it was fun for sure uh okay with with the east west bowl i mean you get to compete against guys all over the conference you also get to play with guys who you like kind of your rivals during the regular season. Uh, when you get to see those kind of players during this OUA season, that's back to the full schedule. Uh, is there anyone in particular that you're looking forward to like reconnecting with? Um, well, being in the QB room with um, Josh Donnelly was, was something that I really enjoyed. He's a, he's a very, uh, he's a very good quarterback, very cerebral. And um, you know, he's, he, he was, he was a lot of fun to play with. Um, so obviously he's an out West, so, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that'd be, that'd be fun to reconnect with him, maybe compete a little bit, but, uh, he was, uh, he was a lot of fun to, uh, to be in a quarterback room with and, uh, yeah. All right. So to look at this new season, you guys, you're returning, uh, you have guys like Jackson cooling that are going to be back with the team. One piece that's missing coach Corey Grant, who took the head coach role with the Carlton Ravens. How has your offense kind of adjusted to the departure of coach Grant and the arrival of your new coaches? Um, well, it's, it's stayed fairly, um, you know, fairly similar. Obviously there's a few things, uh, a few little uh, wrinkles and stuff, but um, you know, coach Potastic is, is a phenomenal coach and, you know, having him uh, as the, as the you know head guy through through the throughout the chains has really helped our helped our offense at least has stayed on the same track. Um, so that's that's been that's been good. And um, having um, having Coach Hopkins in uh, with um, more of a putting more of an emphasis on the O line group is is really good. Um, he's he's got those guys right, and he's he's a really intelligent coach. And so having adding him is uh, is was a, definitely a good piece for us. All right, last question here, just kind of a fun one. Not asking for what is most common in your playbook. What out of the route tree is your favorite route to throw? Like I tell you, you pick a route, you get to throw it. It's going to be a touchdown no matter what, so you, you can't really say the likelihood of it. What route <laughs> is Andreas Dueck throwing given the opportunity and the open sheet? Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, that's a good question. I like... I like um, I don't know. There's a lot of different routes I like to throw, but I mean, yeah, I think what, 
we throw um well I don't know. I think I think the I think one of the best feelings is throwing what um any kind of intermediate route in the heart of a defense whether that's a dig um like a, a post or whatever it is just being able to throw a nice intermediate route in the middle of a defense is uh is one of the most fun throws to make for myself. All right. And you guys brought back the gray uniforms last year, the dark gray. Uh, uh well, they, they were, were uh, the they were the black ones. Yeah, yeah you guys brought black, back the black yeah. uniforms last year. Did you like the all black look? Were you a fan? Because you guys have had the all white look for a while. Mm-hmm. Now you kind of went complete opposite. What was your opinion on the all blacks? I liked them. I liked them. I know we had uh we had like pewter grays. Yeah, those are a couple years ago. Year. I liked those. Well, some other guys didn't like them so much, but uh and we had the dark grays as well. But uh I, I like the black uniform. I hope we get to wear it a little more than once this year. <laughs> well, with the expanded schedule, you probably get will get back to it maybe two times this year. Yeah, but, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> thank you so much for uh joining me for this preview. Good luck with the rest of camp and Good luck week one at Carlton. We're going to see you guys there. Connor and I are going to be at the game, so we'll uh, we'll Sweet. definitely reconnect with you up then. Yeah, it'll be a fun one to uh, reconnect with uh, Coach Grant. So <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for this, Andreas, and uh, good luck in the season. Yeah, thank you. This is their deepest penetration of the game. Back to pass, looking, got all kinds of time. Here he comes rolling to the right. He's going to throw back left. The ball is caught. Touchdown, Lamb. Lamb, what concentration too, Pete, with Jeremy Lozon all over him. Big play by Waterloo to get back into this game. Welcome into another OUA football preview for the 2022 season. We are joined by the Waterloo Warriors head coach, Chris Bertoya. A return to normalcy in the OUA. Uh, you guys have a brand new field house that we got to see in the springtime at the Combine. How are the Warriors doing with this kind of return to a regular training camp? Uh, great. I mean, the energy, the tempo, uh, attitude, everything's been fabulous so far. Uh, just finished uh, day four and the guys are working hard and uh, knock on wood, we're relatively healthy. So, uh, yeah, so far, so good. Um, obviously, exciting times to get back to normal, uh, back to a regular eight season, uh, you know, regular season, traveling across the province, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, it's just nice. It's, it's funny because, you know, even last year, things were different, you know, with the COVID regulations, so on and so forth. So uh, you forget some things. So uh, we've been out of the game a little bit. So Every once in a while, you're like, shoot, I forgot about that. So, but uh, other than that, things are going great. Can't complain. When you look at this Waterloo Warriors football program, the last five years, I sure you know where I'm going with this. It has been a set of twin brothers, the Ford brothers, who have been at the forefront of any conversation that seems to revolve around the OUA, Trey Ford, Tyrell Ford. Now they've both moved on to the CFL, both dressing. Trey obviously sustained the injury early in the year. What does the post-forward era look like for your team? Well, I mean, the big thing is obviously uh, generational guys and, and, you know, indebted to them for, for coming to Waterloo, believing in the vision. Um, you know, and Trey, uh, Trey as a quarterback did amazing things and has transitioned quite well. Obviously, the injury set him back. And Tyrell was here yesterday. Winnipeg's on a, on a bye you know, this week, so... 
was great to see him. He broke down the team. And, you know, it. at the end of the day, it's university football and, and every football program that deals with this. It's, it's cyclical. Um, guys graduate, they move on. Um, you know, sometimes you want to say, unfortunately, because it was exciting times with, uh, with both those boys here. Um, but they're graduated and they're moving on and, and bigger and better things. Um, you know, obviously we, you know, have holes to fill, um, big shoes to fill, but, uh, certainly that's why you recruit. Um, and that's why, uh, football is the ultimate team sport. Uh, and I think that's the one thing moving forward, obviously, uh, you guys aren't the first people to ask that question. Um, but yeah, you know, exciting times. I think, uh, at the end of the day, obviously, uh, you know, we're going to miss them. Um, the OUA is going to miss them, but uh, we got to move on and move forward. And they're no longer part of our football program. And, and there's a new team here in 2022. We, we lost 30 guys to graduation, kind of in a double cohort year last year. So um, we're a young team, that's for sure. But uh, I think what, uh, you know, Trey, Tyrell, uh, some of the guys that went before them, Trinowski, Dion, Jesse Gibbon, you name them. Um, those guys established a foundation that we can now build on and uh, certainly change the attitude and the culture here, which uh, we have to sustain now. I guess kind of a, a little bit of a follow-up to build on that. I'm not going to uh, spend too much more time on the Ford brothers because they get uh, tons of well-deserved attention, I will say. But uh, a couple guys that you have on your roster ended up at the at the CFL uh, Ontario Regional Combine, which you guys hosted, and it was it was awesome. But guys like Rashawn Dagelman at the the Ontario Regional Combine at Waterloo and showed out very well. What does that kind of do for yourself as a coach, and I guess uh, for their mindset as well, coming back and and kind of having that experience? Well, uh, Barnabas moved on; he graduated. Yep. So is Deshaun uh, Jupiter Dean. Uh, they're no longer part of our program. Uh, both graduated, uh, did quite well, and, and are both are, have applied to master's programs and are moving forward. Uh, Rashawn is returning, so uh, we're happy with that. Uh, yeah, I think those experiences are great um, for any player that has that opportunity and has afforded that opportunity. Clearly, they've worked hard enough to get to that spot. Um, you know, they all would say they would have liked to done better. Um and get drafted, but unfortunately that wasn't the case. So, um, but I think the experience and, and some of our younger players seeing these guys having that opportunity um, certainly is, is encouraging to them that if they put the necessary work and effort both on the field, in the weight room, um, that those opportunities exist for not just one or two Waterloo Warrior football players, but multiple players. So well, that's, that I think sets the tone for, our culture moving forward. And on the defensive side of the ball, it's not just the Ford brothers that have been uh, leading the way on your team. The Hinsberger brothers have also been coming through your program. A guy like Jack Hinsberger was an East-West bowler this year. What does he bring to your team uh, this season that's going to elevate your defense? Well, you know, last year coming off the ACL, he, a little bit of a slow start, but he got into Jack Hinsberger form towards the end of the season. And, Certainly had a showed well at the East West Bowl. He's worked his tail off this off season. He's been a, he's been a leader in our Iron Warrior culture. Um, he's uh, had an outstanding first four days of camp. Um, he's a physical leader. He's a um, he's he's a great captain and leader of our defense. And 
brings confidence uh, and attitude. And, uh, you know, we're excited to have him back in full form. And uh, on the offensive side of the ball, obviously you have an offensive background with your coaching history. Uh, what do you guys kind of look like this year without Trey Ford, without a guy like Gordon Lamb? And we mentioned Barnaby Neal already. There's a new wave of talent coming through this Warriors program. What does your offense look like this year? Well, you know, we've done a good job recruiting. Um, our receiving core um, is youthful, but I believe very, very talented, athletic, fast. Um, and fortunately for us, Gordon Lom has returned. He's the leader of our receiving core. So, um, and he's, he's taken, you know, I think it was a humbling experience for him not getting drafted. Um, he's taken a different angle on things. He's, He's been outstanding the first four days as a leader, mentor of the, this young group. He certainly sees the talent in them, uh, wants to lead by example, but it's also helping them out with playbook, you name it. He's done some things that um, have been different, and, and it's exciting in that regard. Um, and, uh, you know, running back-wise, we're, we're pretty excited about, you know, we feel like we have a two-headed monster in, in Nick Sua and Anthony Miller. Um, you know, offensive line is, is there's going to be, some youth, um, some inexperience, not necessarily youth, but, you know, some guys that, that waited their turn last year. We, we had a very veteran group up front. Um, so guys are going to get their opportunity. Um, and then quarterback's a, a big battle right now. So it's, it's been uh, it's been very uh, healthy during the last four days. And we're not going to change what we do. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Trey had a special set of skills. But I think what we do offensively uh, – compliments the quarterbacks that we have and then we're going to do you know Waterloo offense the way we do it always and go out and recruit players that we believe fit into that offense so as we move forward and with that Waterloo style of football that you guys have been playing I mean you have been on the rise as as kind of like the team to watch in the OUA what does it take for you guys as the Warriors to kind of reach that next step and and not be the team to watch but be the team to beat well, I think belief, you know, and I think that this year, you know, I, I think expectations on the outside of this university might be different than what the expectations on the inside are. Um, we have a core group of players that, that uh, believe that we can take that next step. And I think the big thing is that, you know, it's no slight on Trey or Tyrell, um, but I think sometimes young men can, you know, well, Trey will just get it done. And now, I think there's a collective belief that everybody needs to do their one twelfth, do their job. And there's going to be moments where guys need to rise to the occasion where in the past, it was just like, eh, Trizzy will do it. Right. And I think that's one thing as a collective and, and being uh, able to share the football, um, empower each other, celebrate everybody's success from an offensive perspective. That's a new attitude moving forward. Um, so we'll see what happens, but obviously it starts up front. The foundation of any football program is is on the line of scrimmage, and, and certainly our offensive line is going to need to rise to the occasion because we certainly want to be a balanced team, be able to run the football, and uh, obviously protect our quarterback. Now, as you get to kind of expand back into this full conference schedule, uh, we've been kind of asking a couple coaches about this. What are some of the things that your young players – haven't gotten to experience yet in their OUA careers that they're going to be widened to. How do you think they're going to adjust to 
long road trips or playing against some teams that you didn't match up against last year? Well, I think you take one game at a time. At the end of the season, game seven and eight for us, we're at Carleton and then the next week at Windsor. So kind of going to both ends of the province. Um, you know, we're planning on traveling the day before for both of those games. But, you know, I've, I've, usually with Windsor, we have a one o'clock kickoff. You know, most times we go down there the day of, but I feel like with week eight, um, playoffs could be on the line. So we're not going to, you know, take any chances. But, you know, that, that experience of traveling, staying overnight, um, those will be new. Um, but we're going to rely on, you know, the veteran, you know, the veterans that are still on our club that have experienced that to lead the way. And, uh, you know, it's just part of the growth and experience. And uh, I think the big thing is just, you know, focusing on, you know, what's important now. Um, you know, I'm not getting enamored. You know, these guys have all been on long bus trips before playing summer football, high school, whatever it may be. So we're not going to dwell on those little details. We'll just focus on what's important. That's the football game. Maybe not uh, not necessarily a long bus ride, more so a short walk, but one of there's a, there's a ton of great traditions in the OUA, but one of my favorites is absolutely the Battle of Waterloo. If you don't mind just, just spending a little bit of time talking about you know the Battle of Waterloo, what it means to not only your program, but the city, and just to kind of have that event um, and, and have that kind of crosstown rivalry that you guys do with Laurier. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, obviously the last few years have been outstanding, right? Uh, with, some of the best games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it started in 2018 when we kind of broke that slump and, and, uh, you know, at Laurier and then the following year it was the 53 50, you know, triple overtime. Um, you know, last, last year they were super like the scores, weren't necessarily indicative of how competitive the game, the games were. Um, I think the fourth quarter things just kind of got out of hand a little bit in our favor, um, which certainly will take. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know the rivalry. I think the big thing about it now is that it actually is a rivalry um, because when you know Laurier wins 15, 16 games in a row it kind of, it loses its luster, right? So now it's been back and forth and, and certainly, uh, you know, the guys, I believe our players, their players now have a, a mutual respect for each other. Certainly um, the coaching staffs, we respect each other greatly. Um, it's exciting, really, truthfully. I mean, we want to keep building the game up. And I, I talk to Mike all the time about how we can, you know, get more butts in the stands and, and make it more grandiose. Obviously, there's no stadiums here that to make it you know, equal to the Panda game, but um, there's a lot on the line, and there's a lot of pride with it now, and, and I'm glad that it's come back to that um, existence that certainly I I got to experience as a player myself in the late 90s. Um, it's, it's a game, you know, our alumni, their alumni circle on the calendar, um, and it's going to be a great, you know, Thursday night game, 6 o'clock start, before Thanksgiving, um, you know, a little bit later in the season. So we're going to see where everyone's at. And, um, certainly will be exciting and uh, I'm excited for it. The problem is, is I think it's week six. So we have five <laughs> other games before it. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how things shake out up until that point. But there's certainly going to be the Battle of Waterloo on the line. But I think, uh, you know, playoff position, so on and so forth on the line as well. So it's going to be a very important game. 
And just, I guess, one more before we let you go here, sticking with the theme of the Battle of Waterloo, to put you on the spot, do you have a favorite memory? Is it a play that, you know, Trey Ford has made? Is it, like, kind of the hitch pass play that you guys had? Or is it something from your playing days yeah. as well? Oh, there's so many uh, so many memories, really, truthfully. Uh, I mean, you kind of nailed them, really, uh, Connor. I think, like, you know, that little hitch play kind of, you had to kind of, I don't want to say it, but, it was a ballsy call. Uh, <laughs> I think I watched that back about three, four, five, six, seven times afterwards. Yeah, but sometimes you got to take risks, right? And you never know until you do it. Um, your hero or goat, you know, if it doesn't succeed, you know, what an idiot that guy is. Right? <laughs> so, um, but you know, that was great. I think the uh, we ran the like RPO. We were running a slant with Ternowski a bunch, and you hit it, and you know they they adjusted to it. Um, but the free safety was coming in, in that 2018 game late, you know, a minute and a half left. And, and we hit Tyler on a sluggo and, and he ran away from three defenders that that was huge. You know, he was running into the end zone and, and we've now established that, you know, the battle of Waterloo game is our Waterloo warrior football homecoming. So wherever it is, and, and thankfully to, to Laurier, they allow us to have a, a football alumni tent. Well, where Ternowski scored was, you know, we had about 75, you know, old birds sitting in there going nuts. And um, it was a pretty neat experience you know, in that regard. You know, my biggest as a player, obviously 99 Yates Cup, just the stadium. It's it, it's, it's pretty epic. And it was a crazy, crazy experience uh, playing uh, Laurier in the Yates Cup. And uh, very neat and cool. And you talk, I tell those stories to the guys on the team um, and, they try to imagine it. So yeah, uh, lots of great memories. I think everybody has certain memories, but uh, lots of great memories, uh, especially over the last couple of years. And, and I'm sure there's going to be more this year. Well, thank you very much. Hopefully we do get you guys in the Yates Cup. We're rooting for everyone to make it this year. Uh, but thank you so much for giving us your time amidst your busy training camp schedule. We really look forward to the year getting back to some normalcy and hopefully we'll see you down the road at one of the games. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. No problem, coach. Thank you.